Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Coming up on SportsCenter, LeBron versus Lonzo for the first time. Rivalry in the making or future teammates? Intimidated? No, I never A matchup nightmare. Why the Steelers say it will take a village to stop Gronk. And is Antonio Brown the MVP? T.O. joins the show to give his take. And don't miss how he ranks the best TV celebrations of this season. Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> and now. Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. You see that dude on Twitter singing to you, man? He did, because... Shameless. Don't, don't, don't feel bad or don't I'm not get jealous. jealous. Don't get jealous, jealous? of complimenting me on my I don't want T.O. serenading me on social media. Get, I got to even it out sometimes. Welcome, everybody. Let's dive right in. Uh, coming up, the Rockets beat the Hornets last night for their 11th straight game. We'll discuss with Tim Legler if the Rockets are ready to take down the Warriors in the West. We'll also look ahead to tonight's Broncos Coast game with Teddy Bruschi and Adam Schefter. The first... Let's look ahead to next summer. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I'm sorry, but off top, I got to reject the premise of the entire LeBron versus Lonzo pregame storyline for Cavs-Lakers tonight. A kid doesn't qualify as legit opposition or worthy adversary for the king. This isn't a matchup. They're not equals. How you going to face somebody you can't even see? Lonzo's trying to find his way in the pro game. LeBron continuing to somehow take his game to new heights. Now, allow me to say something nice about Lonzo. He's averaging more assists, rebounds, and blocks than James did as a rookie. Here's the rookie on his on-court introduction. That's more like it. He's the reigning best player in the world. Lonzo, did I get it correct that uh, LeBron is your favorite player? Yeah, he was when I was growing up. Uh, you know, my favorite player to watch. Yeah. Why was he your favorite player? Just the way he played. I mean, I feel like he can go out and probably get 40, 50 every night. But, mm-hmm. you know, he decides to pass and, you know, rebound, do all the things that help the team win. Do I be nervous? No. Not at all. Intimidated? No, I've never been intimidated. You're six and playing against a 10-year-old? That didn't nah, it's just a game. All right, Ramona Shelburne, you have the inside info. There's been a lot of crosstalk. You have Lonzo just talking about LeBron. LeBron having sh- – he shouted him out a few times, right? So do they actually know each other? Do they have any sort of relationship before we get even more carried away with this? No, like they've never met. That's what's amazing about this whole <laughs> of thing. Of course not. That's why when LeBron tweeted happy birthday to the young king and he did the king emoji, like my jaw dropped on the floor. I have never I've never seen LeBron do that to anyone who wasn't represented by like clutch sports or he didn't play with on an Olympic team or a teammate. And he just tweeted at a rookie happy birthday whom he's never met. I mean, and look, I know that we're all in LA and we love Hollywood stuff and we love talking about LeBron to the Lakers, yada yada yada. But when you tweeted him, you're gonna add fuel to that fire. Come on. Yeah, but if LeBron chooses you, he doesn't have to know you, I guess. <laughs> which brings us to the next. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Which, okay. which brings us to the next portion of this conversation. Jamel talked about <laughs> flipping it ahead to the summer. So, as you know, Ramona, mm-hmm. the Lakers, they've been widely discussed as a potential destination for LeBron James this offseason when he can become an unrestricted free agent. Part of the appeal is the possibility of the Lakers opening up two max salary spots to allow another star free agent, such as old Paul George, to Le- join LeBron with the Lakers. Now, when little old me told Big Bad Bo Jamel and others to pump the brakes a while back on the LeBron to L.A. train, y'all wouldn't listen. Jamel, will you listen to Ramona and Wendy? Did you read them say that the Lakers, according to their sources, are a long shot? I read it. Okay. Okay, and I, I trust the reporting. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not saying that this is a false report by you, uh, Ramona Shelburne. But, look, I mean, it, it's a tantalizing it's a fantasy. Yeah, it is. I, I 
wouldn't call it a fantasy, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, I mean, look, looking at that situation based off what you've, you've written and what you've reported, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to disprove myself on TV here, but like, is it more, would you put it more towards complete fantasy as Mike seems to think, or is it, or is there some truth, some appeal that the Lakers have? Oh, I, I think there's some appeal. I definitely think there's something behind this. But, look, there's a couple of things we've learned about LeBron in his two free agencies where he actually left someplace, right? He does not decide until he's good and ready, which means you're not going to know anything now. You're not going to know anything in June. You may not even know anything July 1st. He even takes, like, a week. Remember the last couple of free agencies? He waited a week to decide. The whole league just has to sit and wait for LeBron to make a decision because nobody's going to do anything until he does. And so... What you know when in the beginning of the summer when you know LeBron goes out to summer league and sits courtside while Lonzo's winning MVP and he's tweeting at him for his birthday. I think there was a little more behind that. The Lakers have not looked that good so far this year. Lonzo looks like a rookie, and so I think that's why right now when you look at it, they don't look like a team that's ready to win. And when you look at LeBron James right now in his in, in, right in his prime, he's got maybe like three, four more great LeBron years there. Hopefully more than that. He's got to win, and he's got to be the final piece of a puzzle. He can't be part of a rebuilding effort. All right, Ramona, we appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Look forward to more great reporting from you. Okay, a few facts to put a bow on this subject for now. LeBron has a $35.6 million player option next season. The Cavs have Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, and Tristan Thompson coming back, but presumably will lose Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, and Jeff Green. If LeBron and Mon Shumper pick up their player options, the Cavs will be projected to be about $21 million over the cap. Probably of most importance from Cleveland's perspective is the Brooklyn Nets 2018 unprotected first-round pick that they hold. All right, let's talk about another intra, uh, interesting game on the docket tonight. Warriors-Mavericks, and the question is, who's left to suit up for the Warriors? Draymond Green, Zaza Petulia, Nick Young, all are not expected to play tonight. Of course, the Warriors already were missing Steph Curry, who was trying to heal up from an ankle injury. Now, while the Warriors are ailing... The Rockets are surging, even though Golden State has the second longest active win streak in the league at seven games. The Rockets have the best streak at 11 games. Uh, Houston has not lost, by the way, since Chris Paul returned from injury. Tim Legler joining us now to discuss the Rockets. Look, a lot of times these win streaks, we've seen them clearly before in the NBA around this time of year. So is this in the category of, okay, that's a cute, nice December win streak, or are we really looking at the team that's ready to take down Golden State? It's a combination of both, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Anytime you look at a streak, you have to look at the schedule because it really is relative in the NBA. Rockets are 17-1 and in their last 18 games. That's the good news. They're beating up teams that are in front of them. But if you look deeper into their schedule, I, I think there's about five different tiers in the NBA. They've only played two top-tier teams mm-hmm. in the 18-game streak that they've had 17-1 and record, Cleveland and Toronto, and they lost to the Raptors. So they're 17-1 and one in that time, but 1-1 one and one against teams that I would consider top-tier teams. And that's if you include Toronto in the mix with that. So next three weeks, they will play the Spurs, they will play the Celtics, they will play the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I think that's going to tell you more. I will say this, though. This team is legit, and right now James Harden, without question, is the most difficult player in the NBA to defend. Yeah. And what they've put around him, it's really amazing. I looked at something today, I had to look at it five times to make sure I was adding, <laughs> adding it up right. Yeah. So they, they are making 16 threes a game. That is 3.7 more than the second team in the league, which That's is Golden insane. State, okay? That's insane. Here's where it gets crazy. So that gap between Houston and Golden State at one and two yep. is the exact same gap between Golden State and the 26th place team in the league. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is how much. They're getting 11 more points a night right. from the three-point line. 
and well, it's all built around this. That's how they were built too. They also have the best defense in the NBA over this stretch of 11 straight wins, and they're 12-0 without Chris Paul, having lost with him in the lineup. Clint Capella said of the Warriors, I expect to beat them. Now, this is this is an oversimplification, Tim, but I'm getting to a question. There's the idea of, well, I got to see it to believe it, that somebody's going to beat the Warriors. But we have seen, fairly or not, Chris Paul, James Harden in particular, as individuals and their teams come up small in big moments. So while on paper, they're rugged on defense when Mbappé, Mute, um, you know, and, and, and was it Patterson? P.J. Tucker. And, and P.J. Tucker, yeah, P.J. Tucker. Yeah, P. J. Tucker. They've, they've added some, some good pieces on defense, yeah. and obviously they're great on offense sharing the ball. D'Antoni staggering the lineups and whatnot. But is there something to be said for But when it's time to, to, to settle down and stand up to Golden State in the postseason? That's just something that we just won't know until we get there with these two stars in particular. And that is 100% fair. It's going to take me personally a lot to get over what I saw James Harden do at the yep. end of that San Antonio series a year ago. I'm sorry. It is, and I said it all along. I will not give him the benefit of the doubt that he can get a team through a series like that until he does it because, to me, that was the greatest disappearing act since Amelia Earhart, what I watched that night. Because it wasn't just he had a bad game. He didn't show up for yeah. his team, and the team was built around one guy offensively. So, for me, I, I've got to see can he do it. Now, here's what I will say. Chris Paul maybe answers some of that. It's the reason that Mike D'Antoni wanted him. Yeah. They're a plus 37 per 100 possessions with James Harden off the floor. So if that, they get back to that moment again and Mike D'Antoni senses something in James Harden, at least now you do have another option where your offense doesn't just shut down. You right. have another guy that is a high-level elite playmaker. Now, he's had his own issues in the postseason. That's what I mean. But between the two of them, different, hopefully different they can kind of navigate issues, this. No, no, you're yeah. right. Yeah. A lot of health issues mm-hmm. for him. James Harden, it was yeah. more his play. Right, and I know for a fact that was the first thing when these guys were talking about joining up that Chris Paul wanted to know from James Harden. What the hell happened? Right. What happened in that last game to you <laughs> right. before deciding to play with him? I asked Mike D'Antoni that question myself a couple weeks ago on a radio show. He still blames it on fatigue. Yep. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully right. he's fresh next time around. All right. Appreciate thanks, it, man. All right. The 6 at 6 rolls on with a pretty significant development in college football. And in a second, we'll talk about a couple of a few coaches on the hot seat. But first and foremost, Oklahoma leading rusher Rodney Anderson will not be charged with a crime after being accused of rape earlier this month, Cleveland County District Attorney Greg Mashburn announced this afternoon. Now, earlier this month, an Oklahoma University employee filed for a victim's protection order against Anderson, who has rushed for 960 yards and scored 16 total touchdowns this year. The Sooners played Georgia in the college football playoff at the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, of course. The protection order alleged that the Sooner running back raped her two weeks prior, and it claims that Anderson denied and his attorney called, quote-unquote, patently false. Jake Trotter joins us now. Uh, Jake, what does this development mean for the Sooners as they prepare to take on uh, going to the college football playoff? Yeah, Michael, for Oklahoma, this means they're going to have their best running back against a Georgia front seven that might be one of the best in college football, led by the Buckus Award winner and Roquan Smith. You know, Anderson, the final six games of the regular season, actually led the country in yards from scrimmage. He was second with 14 touchdowns. He's a big part of what Oklahoma does offensively. All right, Jake, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. So the Sooners get their best back against George. They're going to need him. Look, I told y'all when Jimmy Haslam said so, that his word that Hugh Jackson will return as coach next season in 10 cents will get y'all a cup of coffee. Why he didn't just say that new GM John Dorsey will decide it is beyond me when the Browns have won one game since last season. Who didn't see this non-committal answer coming from Dorsey earlier today when asked whether Jackson would indeed return in 2018? 
You know what? I've always said I live in the present and I built for the future. So, you know, I live in the present. Right now, the sun's out. The field is, uh, the tarps are coming off the field. We're practicing outside. We're getting ready to play the Baltimore Ravens, which is a divisional game. That's my sole focus. Adam Schefter here with us now. So John Dorsey saying a lot while saying very little at the same time, either through your connections or connecting the dots. Who's likely to replace Hugh Jackson if that's the direction that John Dorsey goes? Which is no surprise because, like, it's his second GM job, Adam. He's not going to risk a coach he inherited influencing his first year's record. So well, I could see this. him making he's, a change. He's talking about the present time. Yeah. But if we just talk about the past and he talks about the players that they brought in there and you see the players that they've bypassed, trading away the rights to Carson Wentz, trading away the rights to Deshaun Watson, taking Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel in a draft that had Odell Beckham Jr., Ugh. And Mike Evans and Aaron Donald and Zach Martin (laughs) and on and on and on. One of the great drafts that we've seen in recent years. The Browns made any number of personnel mistakes. Now, Hugh Jackson is a separate issue. Jimmy Haslam, the Cleveland Browns owner, has said that he plans to bring Hugh back next season. So I guess for now, you have to take him at his word. The fact of the matter is the players love Hugh Jackson. They love playing for Hugh Jackson. Right. He's also 0-4 September, October, and November and has never won a game on a Sunday as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. So <laughs> the, play, the players that John Dorsey doesn't really like, bottom line is that's not his coach. That's the business, though. You right. know that. I think here's the situation. It's only a matter of time before John Dorsey wants his own guy. I right. think he's going to defer to Jimmy Haslam, who would like to keep Hugh Jackson right now. I think that's the plan. But we've seen how this works. It's an arranged marriage exactly. that John Dorsey did not want right. to have arranged. And again, this is his second gig. So he's like, yo, I'm going to do this my way this time. So real quick, not to get – I know you don't want to get Hugh Jackson fired. We're not doing that on the show. But any names that you would connect with John Dorsey? I couldn't Dorsey. even go there right okay, now because cool. the coaching carousel is going to start spinning wildly. There are going to be people who are let yeah. go that you're not expecting. Right. And they are going to be candidates that we didn't know were going to be available. There you go. And so let's see how that plays out yeah. before we start trotting out names for who's replacing Hugh Jackson, who Jimmy Haslam says this thing. Yeah, which leads me to my next question, which is about uh, the coaches that square off tonight. You have Vance Joseph. Let's fire everybody right now. You have Chuck Pagano, uh, both of which have, uh, I would say Pagano, his job security is a little more flimsy than Vance Joseph. So do they make it after this season? It sounds like you think Pagano is Let me say this before we get to these two particular coaches. First of all, it's a tough time of the year. There are going to be a lot of people that lose jobs, a lot of families that are affected. Once we get past that, we have averaged 6.8 head coaching changes per year since the turn of the century. 6.8. We're going to beat that number this year. It's going to be more than that. Okay, and there's a good chance that Chuck Pagano will be on there. And I don't think Vance Joseph will be on there, but I wouldn't swear to that just yet. They've given him one year, didn't have the quarterback they wanted. I would think that Vance does get another year. I would think that Chuck Pagano probably doesn't get another year, but there are still three games. There's tonight's game. Owners change their minds. We'll see. I can tell you with certainty that it's going to be one of the more active coaching carousel cycles that we've seen in a while. That I will tell you for sure. As usual, we'll be hearing a lot from you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, no wide receiver has ever won ever, 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 ever the AP NFL MVP award, but Antonio Brown is having a monster season on pace to finish with 121 catches and 1,857 yards. Odds makers currently have him at 5-1 to one to win MVP behind Russell Wilson and, of course, the very heavy favorite, Tom Brady. To your point, it's pretty rare for a wide receiver to even get MVP votes. Jerry Rice did it in six different seasons, including a near win in 87 when he received 30 votes to Elway's 36. 
Rice came close again in 93, finishing third with 15 votes, and the Smith won with 26. In the last 30 years, the only other wideout to receive MVP votes in multiple seasons. That was a bad man, not for that yeah. daggone neck injury. It Sterling was. Sharp got two votes in 92 and one vote in 93, recording at least 100 catches, 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns in both seasons. And the last time a wide receiver got a vote was in 98 with some 21-year-old rookie by the name of now ESPN commentator Randy Moss. <laughs> man, time flies. Led the league with 17 touchdown catches and got four votes. Well, if I had a vote for Hall of Fame, T.O. would be in there. Can y'all please stop the two of you with this? And if I had a vote for one of the best <laughs> Of course Christmas he'd be in the Hall of Fame if we had a vote. <laughs> I've ever seen. It would also go to you, T.O., who joins us on behalf it's of his I. partnership with NerdWallet, a company that provides clarity yeah. for all of life's financial awesome. decisions. How now, you doing, man? What's going on, T.O.? <laughs> I'm good, good. And uh, being that you mentioned NerdWallet, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm pleased to be uh, be a part of uh, what they're trying to do, especially for young players and their families and, and any any fans out there um, that really need financial education. And I know myself and uh, Eric Dickerson, um, we went up there in San Francisco. We shared our stories, and that's where they were now. They're now able to use their resources to re- really help some of those young guys really kind of navigate through uh, their financial portfolio. You talk about you know how to find. Uh, you know, the best insurance, the, yep. the interest rates, um, all those things, just really trying to help them financially uh, educate themselves so they don't go through the pitfalls of some of us that have, uh, you know, been victims of That's that. That's a real noble and, uh, and useful and necessary call. So good stuff with yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no um, but let's talk a little football here. Now, we mentioned yeah. the odds that Antonio Brown faces in terms of winning uh, the MVP. He's got a big matchup with the Patriots this weekend. Is this the kind of game that if Antonio Brown shows out and the Steelers win and they beat the Patriots, how much do you think his, this MVP campaign for him will pick up? Would he deserve to be strongly in that, in that conversation, if not leading it, if he does what he needs to do against the Patriots? I mean, absolutely. I mean, you look at his body of work, um, not only just this year, but just the consistency uh, of what he's been able to do. Um, this year, I know he's going to sh- – this game, he's going to show up. Um, as you said, Jamil, all he has to do now is just show out. And I think if you look at uh, the other uh, guys that are being mentioned for the MVP race, you think Antonio Brown, he's been doing this consistently throughout his career, and this year he's definitely standing out am- amongst the ones that are being mentioned. But, Tio, he's, he's, he's already statistically what he's doing. He's, jo- he's in the company of the all-time greats. Obviously doesn't have the, the decades-long body of work, but right. over this period – his numbers, they stand up against anybody's. But I just right. ran down all the receivers, <laughs> including yourself, who've ever played, barely get votes, let alone win the award. If nobody's right. done it before now, no matter how good his season is, hell, Julio Jones had that kind of season last year, he's right. not going to get it over Tom Brady. I mean, it's a nice conversation. But, I mean, why, why, why couldn't he? I don't know. Why? I was going to ask you, you know, why, why hasn't a wide receiver ever been MVP? Again, given some of the great ones we've seen, is it just – you know, it's a quarterback's league or, you know, what do you think it is? I'm not sure. Ben, that you just mentioned and I was going to say that, that typically it's always been uh, a quarterback or a number of quarterbacks that have been in the forefront for, for this award. Um, again, there's been a number of guys, you mentioned, you know, some uh, in the intro that have been worthy of this. But you think about what Antonio Brown has done. As you said, the body of work speaks for itself. But this year, particularly alone, yeah. um, this guy is playing lights out. He definitely deserves, obviously, the name to be mentioned. But he needs to be up there, and I think he should be MVP, according to what I've seen. Yeah, I think a cat might have to crack 2,000. 
a wide receiver might have to get to uh, 2,000, and he could do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody like that might be what it takes. But let me ask you something else. His celebration game, which you also know a lot about, is <laughs> real strong. So it's MVP too. <laughs> yeah. So like I know you must wish you were still playing now because some of the stuff you did got you fined and was controversial, and now it's the norm. What are some of the favorite uh, celebrations that you've seen this year, and do they stack up to yours? Um, I mean, I think now with with the way they've implemented the, the touchdown celebration, now it's more about team. Not that I wasn't about team, but I wanted to just really just go out there and, and, and really just show my flair, just be excited and just have fun with the game. I think uh, with what Antonio is doing now, um, again, we kind of set the kind of set the stage myself and Chad. But, I mean, some of these things, some of them are corny. But I did see some of them are corny and some of them are a bit creative. But, like I said, there's no telling what I would have done or what I would be doing if, uh, yeah, if I was allowed to, 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 to celebrate. But I think one, I posted one on my Instagram. It wasn't from the NFL. It was one. Uh, from the CFL, they did something with limbo or something. Yeah. They, yeah, man, that was that was very very creative. When you can do something like that and just think outside of the box, you got my attention. Given, given your singing prowess that we saw on social media and, and earlier in the show, I think you'd have set up a concert. Y'all had y'all have been like new addition and perform. Can you stand the rain? Y'all have done karaoke in the end zone. Who knows what you and your your fellow teammates would have done? What? No idea. As I I said at the top of this, that if I had a vote, you would definitely be in the Hall of Fame. Now, this is the the third consecutive year you've been named a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. So uh, is this a thing where because of what's happened to you the last couple of years that you just kind of don't even think about it anymore? You're at peace with it? Or are you still pretty upset that you haven't been let in despite what the numbers say and where you stand in the history books? Um, I think, number one, I've there's one Hall of Fame that I'm already solidified and I'm secured in, and that's the Alabama Hall of Fame. And I'm, I'm very honored to, to be a part of that. And that's going to be um, that ceremony will take place in April. Um, but as far as the NFL Hall of Fame, again, I, I, I've already spoken the last two years. Uh, it's not a matter of me being disappointed. I think, again, with the bylaws, and I think Shannon Sharp has eloquently uh, discussed on what they are, and based on why I'm not in there, it doesn't match up. So I've already expressed my expressed my displeasure. It, it was more me being feeling disrespected than disappointed. So other than that, like we're just talking about Antonio Brown, my body of work and my stats speak for itself. So I don't know what else it needs to happen. So in terms of character and things of that nature, with everything that is going on with all these sexual allegations, my character is definitely intact. I don't really have to worry about anything. And again, if I make it, fine. If I don't, it's not the end of the world. I think most most important is my family is proud of the accomplishments that I've that I've done uh, and what I've made in, in terms of what I've done in the, in the National Football League. That's a great perspective. And you know something? It feels like, mm-hmm. given your omission from the Hall of Fame so far, there's more widespread love for you now That's true. than there was right. when you were playing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm it kind of works for you in a weird <laughs> it's way. Kinda big, you know what I mean? So we appreciate I mean, everything, especially like, even we just talking about the touchdown celebration, yeah. everything that I got vilified for, now everybody's yeah. embracing. Yeah. So, again, like I said, I just tried to have fun with the game, not really knowing that, I was going to play beyond the collegiate level. So, again, any kids out there that are watching this, watching this show, I mean, that should give you any, some type of inspiration that as long as you put your mind to something, if you have that desire, that dedication and discipline, you can make it and become anything you want to become. All right, man, we got to let you go Thanks, so you can head to your ugly Christmas sweater party. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take it easy, T.O. All right. 
don't look now, LeBron James is having one of his best individual seasons. There's no better player in the game of basketball than LeBron James. Out comes LeBron. Puts it up, puts it in. His incredible night continues. He's so strong and so fast with his first step. And nobody has stopped that yet. James with an education in elevation. If he's hitting his perimeter shots, it's impossible to stop him. LeBron, long three on the way. He nailed it. Great Nola pass by LeBron James. And LeBron tomahawks it home. LeBron doing it all. Cross court pass picked up by LeBron James. He goes all the way and drops over time. Blocked by LeBron James. He ate it up. Get that weak stuff out of here. From the moment he set foot in this league, you could tell that he was on the path to all-time greatness. All right, so with the Cavs and Lakers meeting today, certainly a lot of talk about LeBron's future, which is any day ending in Y. Jason Lord of the Athletic tweeting earlier today that it was uh, unusual for LeBron James to skip out on his group media session, and he figured that it was presumably to avoid L.A. questions. Well, our insiders have answers. Key quote from Ramona and Wendy on .com today, quote, imagining James' last act coming in purple and gold isn't without basis, but as of now, it's also a long shot, according to league sources. Still, expect the atmosphere and the intrigue to be as thick as the winter storm battering Cleveland when the Lakers and Cavaliers play Thursday night. Some Jamel, right there. Are you surprised to learn that the Lakers are a long shot to land LeBron, according to league sources? Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised because I still think that the Lakers present a lot of intriguing elements for LeBron. When you look at the cap, the cap room that they'll have available in, in terms of signing two other potentially max uh, free agents, the growth of Brandon Ingram, uh, the future of Lonzo Ball, the fact that it's in L.A., the fact that LeBron has a home there, the fact that the, the second act of his life will involve him being in Hollywood as a producer, as an entertainment mogul. So much of this fits. And, look, I still think winning is the most important thing I don't to LeBron. Think that's a stretch to say. Okay. Winning and winning now. Winning, right. Yeah, not in, in a couple in of years. Immediate. Next and year. See, and, and, and this is not about me thinking that he wants to hightail it out of Cleveland because yeah. he's disgruntled or dissatisfied. It has everything to do with does Cleveland, will they be able to – Build for the future and win now at the same time. That's mm-hmm. hard to do when you have that guy on the roster. I could easily see him kicking the can again and, and either opting in or opting out, testing the market, and re-signing with Cleveland for one year. Because with LeBron James, what you going to do? Say no? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll, you'll have this same drama hanging over you next year because he's worth it. Or, you know, you just look at some of the other up-and-coming teams. You know, Houston now with Chris Paul has been speculated about. The Sixers have been speculated about. I would hate to see either one of those teams add LeBron just because I like what they built on their own and I would – you know, I don't, they don't need LeBron at this point. They're good enough. I know it's LeBron James, but still, <laughs> I think those teams are set. But the, let's go back to the Lakers. I'm not surprised I answer my own question. I'm not at all surprised to read that they're a long shot, mainly because I never bought into the Lakers hype because it really reminded me so much of Knicks and Nets when Jay-Z was a part owner circa 2010 where people trying to you – know, it's the same thing. Different. First of all, it's an exercise of futility to try to predict LeBron's thought process because even his closest confidants don't know for sure what he's going to do because he probably doesn't know what he's going to do because you can't know what you're going to do having one foot out the door and still average 28, 8, and 8 in the regular season. Like, he's great, but nobody's that great to be that distracted and still performing like he is in the short term. Here's the thing with the Lakers, and it's no disrespect to their brand. When you're a one-man dynasty – 
You don't care about restoring another dynasty to greatness because you are the I don't dynasty. I think it has anything to do when with you, by most accounts, pass Magic Johnson in terms of the mm-hmm. pantheon of great players. You're not worried about taking the torch from Magic Johnson. I just don't think it's a dream of his to play for the Lakers in LA in that market the way it is for the likes of Paul George. No, I, I don't think it's about that. I think this it's a less emotional decision. Well, if think, it's about winning, they're nowhere close, yeah, but, even with him in it, the Western Conference. It's a tactical decision, I, I, and I don't think it's just about LA. I think it's about a lot of places. Maybe it's even about your Sixers. Nah, I told you we got LeBeige. You know, I think this us putting together a great game is going to be enough motivation for us. We're playing a good team on the road. We've had a bunch of those in a row now. Um, I mean, it's late in the year, so all these games are important. And, uh, you know, playing against a team that has the best division in the conference, you know they're playing well. They've played well all year. So in order to beat them, you just can't go out and play uh, mediocre. We're going to have to play well, and everyone's going to have to do it, and everyone's going to be called upon. And, um, you know, you expect a 60-minute game, and, Hopefully we can go out and get the job done. Should be a good one. Game of the weekend there, Patriots and the Steelers. Teddy Bruschi joining us now. Now, Bill Belichick, Teddy, has, as you know, a very well-deserved reputation for shutting down the opponent's biggest strength. But when it comes to Antonio Brown, many have tried. Few have been able to. So uh, how does Belichick slow him down? Well, first, first you decide what matchup do you want. Do you want Gilmore or do you want Butler? I, I personally think Butler is, is better suited to, to um, take on Antonio Brown. Because Didn't he limit him, limit him in quotes, opener bit. last year? Somewhat, right? yes. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. I don't, you, that's, all, that's the right word, Michael. You limit, you limit <laughs> yeah. this guy because even when you have him one-on-one, you're still going to help him with safety, safety over the top help, things like that, Partic- particular situations. All right, he's all yours. Not a lot, but still, Malcolm is that quick twitch type of guy, sort of similar sized. Gilmore's bigger, a little bit longer. You want to put him on a bigger Bryant or a Schuster or things like that. So you just want to limit him because I don't think, I mean, this guy is so good. Yeah. He is so good that Malcolm, he'll fight and he'll battle, and they both scrap at each other. They've had some great matchups, but that's what you're going to have to watch yeah, for. so good at getting him the ball. So I, I want to talk to you about the, the culture of self-correction in New England, yeah. if you will, because they weren't embarrassed by Miami, but it was an embarrassing based on their standards performance. And I could just imagine like 0 for 11 third down, just being hammered. You know, you've been in those meetings. Right. So right. when you get Gronk back, um, how does he factor into correcting that stat? 0 for 11 on third down. That's got it. That's, that's had everybody in a bad mood all week long. Yeah, just him on the field is going to correct it. But, I mean, Belichick will almost rub that into you the entire, the entire time. I remember we hadn't done well running the football, and he told us going into a game versus the Jets, we won't throw it until we run for two first downs. Over and over and over again. That's what we had Corey Dillon. We went out in Middle Lands. They were able to do that right back to back. Everybody said on the sideline, we can throw. We can throw. So third down with Gronkowski on the field. He's the ultimate dictator in terms of you look around in the defensive staff and also in the huddle it's like, who got him? You got him? <laughs> right. Because he's right there, and I certainly don't want to cover him. So whatever you do between the numbers, take it away from him because yeah. that's where he owns. But Gronkowski, the size, who, when, if you play man-to-man, Brady's going to find him yep. because one-on-one is going to be difficult to do. Real, real quick, I want to ask you one other cultural question. John Dorsey, the new GM in Cleveland, said that Kenny Britt's got a higher opinion of himself as a player than he does. Had no problem letting him go, didn't fit with their culture. Here come the Patriots, some outside, and the bigger receiver, somebody who's had some struggles elsewhere. What's that process when it comes to getting the best out of a guy that comes in with a reputation from another environment mm-hmm. and seemingly, you know, finding 
water in the wine or whatever yeah, you want to really, call it in, in New England. Uh, uh, what you're talking about, it's, it's good timing, really. Timing to the point where you have a player that now you've had your humble pie. You've taken a big bite of it, and now you're sort of broken down. So we'll swoop in as the hero, all right? <laughs> we are the team. Wait, they didn't want you. It was the Browns. Nobody else wants you, but guess what, Kenny? We want you. Have to save a player. So come on in. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, so when you have <laughs> when you, you know, have, you know what the real, you know what the real that. phrase is. You know what You know what the, that was, was the Eddie and Petiti version. It was the Eddie and Petiti version. was like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> you 40. I got right, it. Right, right, So what, the, what that does, it opens his ears yeah. to where – he may be hearing the same things from a different mouth now, what mm-hmm. Coach Belichick is saying, or the captains on the team are saying. He might have heard the same thing in Cleveland. Yeah. But the show kind of sounds a little different. It was the bad, yeah. it was different <laughs> timing. So, yes. And the term, what was that you said? Captain, Captain save, save a player. player. Bam. And you know player do. in place of, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right. I appreciate oh, it, man. Thank, thank you. Thank you, we appreciate thank you for that. All right. Be good now. Happy All to right. make your day brighter. <laughs> Keys to success is brought to you by those that live like a pro GMC Alright, so Marcus Mariota was a little short with reporters after the Titans lost to the Cardinals on Sunday he therefore apologized to reporters but that wasn't the only reason for the apology I just want to say uh, I'm sorry for the way I handled the press conference um, I know not everybody was who's was there is here but um you know i was rude and inappropriate and um you know i just want to say i apologize for that so i got i got a earful a little bit from my mom so um you know that's that's how i was raised and um you know i appreciate you guys uh understand so that was big of him to apologize but people that cover him better appreciate that yeah because that's probably the only time that'll happen in your career is i i can't even recall a time where athletes apologize for rare yeah does your mom still tell you just every nine in it that you ain't too old for her to kick you? Oh my just god! Remind you? See, my mother told me that two Thanksgivings ago. It probably, but nothing. Just to remind you, like by the way, I don't care what I'm kind of show you, you got. <laughs> Scotty Pippen, uh, he was on first take earlier today, and he had a hot take when it came to don't, Ron Scotty versus Jordan. Don't do it, Scotty. How close is LeBron to catching Jordan? The numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. He's right there. Uh, he probably will never catch him in terms of MVP. Okay. But in terms of statistics, LeBron is right there. And when you look across the board, not just scoring, mm-hmm. check his assists, check his rebounds. Mm-hmm. He's probably ahead of Jordan. Oh, my God! Oh! 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 You know what? See, I... That wasn't as bad as I thought. Really? He took the easy way out. He took the stash route. Okay. He took the stash route. Okay. All right. And LeBron, LeBron's going to be up there, at, if not at the top of every stats list by the time he's done. Okay. I just want to make sure that Pippen isn't making the same mistake people are making when it comes to Jordan. He's somehow underrated as time goes on go. as an all-around Not player. As if all he did it. was win six rings and shoot fadeaways. Jordan was the preeminent, pre- preeminent defender not named Scottie Pippen. Look at the puppeteer when it comes to passing. I'll get to him in a second. Look at it, the best post player. Like, oh, stop. His all-around game gets underrated. Joel Embiid's troll game. He said call him Troll Embiid. Don't come in his comments. Don't come at the King's comments, Carl Anthony Towns. Should have known better. Come at the King, you best not miss. You got swatted. <laughs> I don't know if he understood the meaning of like actually raising the cat. Uh, maybe he thought it was about him, but uh, 
He made a comment. Uh, you know, I, you know, they call me for well and beat, so I don't let things go by. So I just saw it, and uh, I just felt like that needed a reaction from me. And uh, um, I think I had to put a good comeback. Son, my son makes me proud every day. Do you remember Ramona Shelburne in her piece the other day? She talked about how Embiid thinks that sooner or later, as people tend to do, they're going to turn on him and start to hate right. him. You really see that happen? I don't. His personality is just amazing. And he's going to go through that stage that as a player he'll get criticized because, look, he's not going to have a flawless career. But I don't think anybody will ever look at him and say, I just don't like that guy. He's just too likable, too gregarious, like too inviting. It just seems like people find a way. Mm. Now, uh, Lonzo Ball. He is getting ready to take on LeBron and the Cavs. <laughs> getting ready to take on tonight. LeBron, though, he visited a local children's hospital earlier today, and from the sounds of it, Lonzo could be in for a long night. Put it, there. Put it right there. That's you jumped on Lonzo for me? I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I, he might not be in my way. Once you see him about to take off, he might move All up right. the way. Now that's a shame. What does it say that he got kids? It's like, don't call Lonzo. Lonzo. What Lonzo do to you? That was funny. Who had a good day? All right. Congratulations to Sloane Stevens, who received her bachelor's in communication studies at Indiana University East, which has partnered with the WTA in providing an opportunity for players on the tour. 20 players currently enrolled in the program. Fantastic. Hey, bit of NFL news. Jaguars running back Leonard Fournette said he will be able to play through the quad injury that has kept him out of practice on Wednesday and Thursday at the 9-4 Jags beat the 4-9 Texans. Jacksonville clinches the franchise's first playoff berth since 2007. That's it for the six. NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship semifinals between Nebraska, my state, and Penn State is next. See y'all tomorrow. It should be Friday today.